Hello world and welcome to Notorious P.O.D. I am your host, John Bass. It's another Hip Hop Forum episode, which means I'm joined by Cal and T up in this motherfucker. What's up? Cal, for people listening, uh, you're, you're, you're wearing a lot of um, hip hop regalia, mate. Talk us through. Yeah, I am. I, am. I knew he was going to be doing video calls and uh, I got uh, a couple of weeks ago, I got a big ghost hoodie. Mm. Uh, it was not cheap and it took an absolute age to turn up. So I thought I'm fucking wearing this as much as I possibly can. And I'm wearing my Terror Squad chain as well. Um, so, yeah. Bang. Uh, for people that don't know, tell tell us a little bit about your fetish for um, hip hop chains and your obsession with like, collecting them all. It's like it's like Pokemon for hip hop geeks. The way you yeah. collect, I'm just I'm just a bit eccentric. That's what I've realised. I'm just eccentric. I like I like the things that I like. So be it rap or Spurs or boxing or wrestling. And so because I like those things, I want merch. I love merch. And what merch can, and the more eccentric the merch, the better. So with wrestling, I've got three replica belts. And for rap, I've got pretty much every fucking rap chain you can think of. I'm actually hovering over a No Limit chain on eBay at the minute, but I'm not in love with No Limit, but it's just kind of to complete the collection. I just want merch. I love it. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Yeah. See, as a man who um, takes uh, care in his appearance and it's, um, it's very much as a fashionista, how do you rate Cal's outfit? Um, because what we'll do is we'll we'll obviously put up um, some video and we'll put up <laughs> some of Cal's outfit and we'll um, we'll obviously get the audience to rate him. But how, what are you saying about his outfit, mate? How do you how do you rate it? He loses points for the red. Yeah, yeah. he's fucking. Do you know what he's doing? Was... <laughs> <laughs> he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. He's firing my own bars at me. <laughs> this this thing turned up, John, and I was like. I've got to tell you the truth. I'm not in love with it. And he goes, why? And I said, too much red. Yeah. And it's not firing my own bars at me. You know, it's exactly what he's fucking doing. It's a, it's a nice top. It's a very nice top. Um, I'm wearing something from Uniqlo from, from 2012. Um, <laughs> probably appeared in some low-budget grime video made in Palmer's Green or something like that. And I'm in a Spurs shirt underneath from 2012. And yeah. I've got a pair of Adidas tracksuit bottoms. And... That's the that's, that's fashion for me today. Hey, that's that's a strong look. Um, and you've been you've been clearing out some of your uh like old clothes, which is a good thing to do uh to like refresh the wardrobe every now and again, especially if you if it's cluttering up. Um, what, there was one item you showed earlier, which was a fine piece from sort of two thousand and five. Was was that the most rascal bit of gear that you had in there? Fuck, that's actually a good question. Um, there's a couple of caftan tops that were in there. Um, it's like they're um. They're not like full length, they're just normal like a top length. But yeah, they're one one is River Island, one is French Connection, a um, couple of caftans. But there's a, there's a pair of Avisu jeans that I should really throw out. But they cost 150 quid back in 2007. And I can't throw those away, even though I'll probably never wear it again. Um, are they boot cut? They probably are, actually, because they're a bit baggy. I'll have them. I'll have them up there <laughs> Boot cut bass. It'll give you 200 quid for them. Yeah, <laughs> With all the weight he's losing, you'll probably fit him as well. <laughs> I'll, I'll come and collect him, mate. Gram. <laughs> he hasn't lost a gram. It's fucking bollocks. 
it's all just uh, it's all filters now, isn't it? Yeah, you, you haven't seen me in person for for a month, so I've just been like putting all them like filters all over my Instagram uh, just yeah. to show like fake angles. Yeah. Do you know what you just reminded me? So my uh, my best mate, he uh, Gaz, he <laughs> when we were younger, we used to go out. We'd obviously have to wear shoes to get into nightclubs back in the day, especially in Luton. It's proper like old school. You're like, if you're not wearing a shirt and a Ben Sherman, mate, you're not coming in, you slag. Uh, it's a little bit like that. So we always had to wear shoes. And obviously, being like young blokes, we didn't really want to wear shoes. Shoes were shit. So me and Gaz went to uh, Milton Keynes and we went to purchase some Avizu shoes. And I bought leather, but they were like, they were cool. They were like, like Velcro covered with the denim badge on the front, and they were a bit rascal, but they were shoes and very obviously shoes. He bought what he said were shoes that were fucking obviously Ivizu traders, <laughs> but and they were like they were denim color, and then they had Ivizu oh. logo like like all over them, like little sperms all over them. And every time he'd get to the door, he'd be like so proud of himself, like b- busting in with his Ivizu things, and they'd just go, "No trainers, mate," and he goes. No, they're not trainers. They're they're Avizu shoes. And he's like, I don't care what shit, mate. They are, mate. You're not coming in. <laughs> <laughs> and he, used get, he used to get pied all the time, oh, no. and it was so good. And he was like, these are a hundred quid. And they're like, I don't care, mate. They're like hundred pound trainers. You're not coming in. And um, yeah, it was it was a fucking disaster. I've like, never been able to get in anywhere because of his fucking Avizu shoes. And it was like an in between, as you know, when he rocks up with the trainers. And like, why are you wearing them? He goes, because they're nice. It was like that. So there we go. Anyway, let's uh, let's jump into the first part of the Hip Hop Forum. Um, we've got a question uh, from MF Gloom on Twitter, and his at is at Pontification. He asks us, given Create 808's recent pod, so Create 808, another brilliant hip hop podcast, definitely check them out. Uh, given their recent pods on 90s three album runs, what are your personal favourite three album runs of all time, not just 90s? So it's kind of funny that he asked this, because we are actually going to cover... Uh, Create 808 podcast. If you're not already following them, go and subscribe to them. It's a really brilliant hip hop podcast, really focused around the 90s. So amazing interviews. They've had DJ Premier on there. Uh, they've had they've had uh, Boldy James on there. They've had some amazing people. So go and check them out. We are going to be covering their like series about these three album runs. So we'll definitely get into that. Um, and I'll, I'll come back to your question um, at Pontification at the end because first of all, I just want to go through these runs. So. Basically, in this latest series on Crate 808, they're going to be discussing who had the best three-album run in 90s hip-hop. They'll be diving into uh, into the cases for eight different rap acts with eight of the strongest voices in hip-hop to figure out who has the best claim. Now, that immediately has annoyed me because we're not on that list, uh, which is which is a fucking disgrace. Um, so I'll be taking that up with Cam, who runs Crate 08 uh, like firmly, that we should have been probably get rid of all the others, just have us on there. Um, some of these names uh, include so he'll be running through Ice Cube with Sean Totero, Tupac with Andrew Barber. So those two episodes are available now. Uh, De La Soul with Andrew Emery, Gangstar with Dart Adams, Outcast with Justin Hunt, uh, Tribe Called Quest with Rob Percy, Mob Deep with Breaking Atoms Podcast, and Red Man with Take It Personal Radio. So they will all be great episodes. So definitely check them out. But I thought. As we weren't invited, rudely weren't invited to um, to do these episodes, like we would give our own spin um, when they released their episodes and kind of work it out. So the first two episodes that have been released were Ice Cube and Tupac. Um, the albums that they were talking about for Ice Cube was America's Most Wanted, Death Certificate, Predator. And for Tupac, it was Me Against the World, All Eyes on Me, and then Machiavelli. So I thought we should talk about it and talk about just generally uh, those two runs and what we, what we think about it. So T, I'm going to start with you, mate. 
Um, any any strong feelings on these two runs? Uh, do you want to start with like maybe running through Cube? You know what? Well, I've, I've mixed up the second and third album all the time on that list. And I always have to go back and see which um, track is on which. So I don't know if it was the good days on one or the other. But um, I think his earlier, I think up until maybe 95, that puts him in the in my hip-hop top five of all time. It's just a brilliant run and um, just a high standard over a long period of time, really. He had Kill At Will as well, which I think was an EP. So that was very, very... I think he was one of the obvious ones to put in the three-album run. So yeah, I'd agree with that. And what about you, Cal? How What are your kind of thoughts on, on that as a three-album run generally? Yeah, I, I have to agree with T, really. I think he's one of those rappers, Ice Cube, that's kind of forgotten about when you talk about, like, the GOATs, when you talk about, like, the greatest rappers of all time. He's, he's sometimes incu- included on the list, but not always. And he absolutely deserves t- to be on there, really, you know. Um, America's Most Wanted is a is a classic in its own right. It was such a brave thing to to leave the entire like West Coast sound and go and work with the Public Enemy producers. And then Death Certificate was just just as political, but still had bangers on like Steady Mob. It's just a classic West Coast track, basically. And no Vaseline. <laughs> yeah, and then no Vaseline, which is still in the Holy Trinity of beef tracks. Like it's it, yeah. If you, it's probably if you're if you if you think you've got the number one beef track, then No Vaseline second. You have to beat No Vaseline to be given that kind of honor, really. Um, do you know what? And Steady Mobbing as a track, do you know, what it makes me think of it makes me think of the film CB4 because it's in that, and it's such a weird, it's such a weird thing. I'd never actually heard the song before, and then I saw CB4, and I was only like fourteen, and I actually thought it was real, and so. <laughs> And so, um, but yeah, it's just such a classic record. No Vaseline. And then, yeah, then The Predator as well. Like all three of them. He's absolutely up there. Top 10, probably even top five rappers of all time. Yeah, that's again, like fair, fair shouts. And I think, I think the whole, like this whole concept of like a three album run is a really interesting one. Considering like we, we've spoken a lot here about how music has become like very disposable. And like the idea of like albums kind of blending into each other, and we've sp- spoken a lot about Griselda and how they they just like pump out as much stuff as possible because actually that fits the business model now, which is like you just get it out there and people kind of stream kind of fairly inconsistently over a year what you're putting out there, and actually you'll just like start accumulating cash, and the more you can put out there, more interest for people to listen to, and essentially like they'll just catch up. So you're you're kind of creating this nice revenue stream. But at the beginning of kind of of hip hop, and particularly when these albums are out in the kind of like golden nineties era, like putting an album out was kind of an important thing, right? You you could have an album that flopped and would fuck your legacy, and there were the sort of things that counted towards your like goat status. So in a way, now I was I was kind of thinking when um, when they told us they were doing this three album run, I was like I was struggling to think about how that would even look outside of the nineties. And when you see the list of acts here. It's kind of amazing that they all have like these these three albums to talk about, which is great. So let's talk about Tupac uh, in terms of his run. So again, like his list is Me Against the World, All Eyes on Me, and then Machiavelli. Um, personally speaking, the first two, or, or like the first two on this list, um, Me Against the World, All Eyes on Me. I prefer Me Against the World. Me Against the World is like amazing for me. I genuinely probably think that's his best work. Um, I just think it's really like, coherent album and like a really coherent message and I think he sounds great on that um, but I, I've got to be honest I don't really 
no Machiavelli, the Don Kilimanati seven-day theory, that well at all. Um, any, any strong feelings on there from, from UT in terms of these these three albums and Pat? I think Me Against the World is one of those albums. It's a bit of a coming of age. I mean, you might argue came of age when you did Brenda's Got a Baby and um, Keep you, Me and I Get Around and that. But um, I think Me Against the World is just like half gangster, half woke and... I guess it's a bit like when Bob Marley first started growing dreads, you know, if I'm going to take it to an extreme, you know, and um, that's what Big It's the World is. To all eyes on me, I think, it's, I think it has a hip-hop curse of a double album where it's going to have been a single album. Oddly enough, I played Machiavelli album the most. Um, I really enjoyed that album, but when Tupac was alive, I wasn't really playing his music a lot. So it's years later when I kind of got into him, but um, I think All Eyes on Me is one of those um, seminal albums Maybe the um, the aura around the album is better than the album itself. You know, that album was out when he when he was killed, I believe. Because I think I am mad at show that video was out around the time he died. So you know, it's obviously kind of showing himself when he was dead, and then he dies months later. So <clears throat> that's what a lot of the hype around the album was. And obviously, uh, Machiavelli came out after after he died. I think my well, my time's wrong. Yeah. So. Um, no, I think um, I think it's an intro. I think they're three very different albums as well with with, with Tupac. I think with Ice Cube, the albums are somewhat similar. It's very militant at the time, but I think with Tupac, there's a bit of growth, a bit of evolution in these three albums. If I'm gonna pick between the two, yeah. And Cal, what are your thoughts on that, mate? First of all, like uh, Pac's run, and then like in comparison to to Q, what are you saying? Uh, oh, in the comparison, that's tough. That's tough. Uh, I probably mm. know these albums slightly better than the Ice Cube albums. Um, I agree with you. I think Me Against the World is his best album. Um, for me, it's my favourite, at least. Uh, it's yeah. my favourite album. It's I just. It's one of those things you just don't... There's not really many skips on there. It's you just... You can listen to all of it. It's got a great intro. And like T said, it's kind of... It's, it kind of sums up his career, really. It's kind of half woke, half kind of bug life. And it's it shows all the layers of him as an artist. And again, I, I think All Eyes on Me was kind of style over substance. And I think that yeah. that probably puts Ice Cube over the top, really, on on this run. Just because you go through the tracks. I remember at the time, well, not at the time when I bought it, sorry. Not at the time when I came out. It was only about four when it came out. I think I was 13 <laughs> when it came out. Um, but... I remember when I eventually bought it and listened to it, I remember preferring disc two to disc one and none of the singles are on disc two. It's just more the kind of chilled kind of chilled kind of two pack that I liked. Um, but yeah, I think ice cubes runs better. Uh, Machiavelli. I think it, it, it's, I think it's aged quite well, actually. I think it's one of those like T I listened to it more after like years later, not so much, you know, when I was really, really getting into hip hop, but more years later because, uh, a load of the shady guys did freestyles over some of the beats and um, 50 Cent redid uh, Against All Odds and stuff like that. And so that got me kind of intrigued about that album. But I would put Ice Cube over the top on that run. Yeah, fair enough. I, th I think what is really interesting about both these like these runs is actually that they are actually really different, even though like on the surface, it's like our oh, two, two West Coast guys. Great. Two like top tier MCs. Okay, great. But actually like... Uh, individually in terms of the the runs so like cubes the the music differs quite drastically between the three albums and actually the same for tupac as well uh, and i think that's probably like 
testament to why these like album runs are on this shortlist because actually like an artist's growth is as important sometimes than like the consistency. So if I like if I look at like the rest of the list on there, mm. and I know we've had this conversation before, like Mob Mob Deep's run would be my favorite. But in terms of like a uh, creative growth, that it's fairly limited, right? There's not much changes um, from you know. The, I'm, I'm assuming it's like going to start with the Infamous rather than Juvenile Hell, but like the, the Infamous to Hell on Earth, um, and and like going forward, like I, I don't see like a massive growth whereas I actually think like these two their growth from an artist perspective is is quite quite big um don't know what you think in terms of of that kind of premise team like is that how you see it in terms of like the the runs and, and their like respective changes from the artist yeah I think Mob Deep you know what you see is what you get there's not much um evolution there I think Redman who's also on the list is probably similar you know, the first three albums, I mean, I'm probably the biggest Redman fan of the three of us. And um, I would have I probably done that if I was asked, but I wasn't. But anyway, moving on. But um, <laughs> no, I think um, I think Ice Cube probably does have the better, uh, better three albums. But I feel that Tupac's three album run came at a time when he was evolving as an artist. And he was going through an awful lot, switching from wherever it was before to death. Or I can't remember what label it was before. So there's a lot of changes going on in the... Yeah, the beef of Biggie as well going on. So I guess from a paparazzi point of view, it's probably a lot more fun um two packs three album monkeys are thinking, you know, you had the the woke stuff on um Mia to World, then all eyes on me is like, yeah, you know what, fuck, you know, fuck bad boy and all that kind of shit. And then you had um you know, um Machiavelli where he says, was it no more Dre Day a River Dirce? Um, you know, so he's got all kinds of beef going on and just it's, just, it's almost like a time capsule with um with Tupac. And I think Ice Cube was just free of the shackles of Jerry Heller and NWA. And it just like had an outpouring, you know, that three album run. I mean, Lethal Injection wasn't a classic, but it's still a very solid album. So you could argue that there's four, it's four albums that are arguably three and a half mics and above from one artist. And you don't get that in hip hop a lot. So got to give him his, got to give him his flowers. Yeah, for sure. Cow, any thoughts on that, mate? No, I think you guys have kind of summed it, summed it up, really. Was Mob Deep one of the ones that was that was mentioned as well? Was their run part of yeah, the list was. as well? It was. Yeah. Okay. yeah so, no, I think so, that's a good shout yeah. as well. I think Ghostface has probably got a shout in there. I imagine, you know, he, he's put a free run, free album run together at some point as well. Um, Jay-Z as well. Yeah, Jay-Z, yeah. I did. I, I was just looking earlier and I, I mean, you think of like Kanye. Kanye did two and then busted out with graduation. Game did two. You know, he did documentary, the doctor's advocate, then he kind of fucked it with LAX. So you got guys that are like two, two and then third bowl wicket. And they, you know, yeah. it's just there's a lot of those around two in a row and then it doesn't happen. But yeah, I think the the, the list, the list is good. And um, I think maybe, maybe even Mob Deep would probably go above ice cube you know i think it's it's a great debate yeah it's a really good debate so the, the episodes are out uh there's two episodes out now so you can listen to on create away ice cube with sean Sotero and tupac with andrew barber um so go and check those out and see what those guys are saying about it um but let's come back and answer answer this question from uh at pontification um so it says given create away it's recent pods on 90s three album runs what are your personal favorite three album runs of all time not just 90s now on twitter we we took this in another direction, and I think we should we should stick with that direction. Which is right. there is no mention of hip hop on here. It's just three album runs. 
So maybe let's expand this out and talk about like all music of all time. What are the, what is the best three album run of all time? See, I'm going to start with you because you had a pretty good answer on Twitter, mate. Oh God, <laughs> sorry, Callum, but you have to listen to all all what I'm about to say. So uh... <laughs> it's covering his ears. <laughs> when I was listening. Um, so I jokingly put Radiohead's three album run, <laughs> which was um, the Bends, OK Computer, and Kid A. Um, Three album runs, I think you've got Stevie Wonder from 1972 till 1976, Music on My Mind, Talking Book, Inner Visions, Fulfillingness, and Songs in the Key of Life. Uh, that's an amazing run. You've probably got, yeah. David, probably got David Bowie from Space Oddity through to Station to Station. Um, can't knock that. And you've got the Beatles, Rubber Soul, um, Revolver, Sgt. Pepper. Even got White Album you could lob in there as well. I know you two are massive Beatles fans, but um, I guess in I guess in the interest of the podcast, I'll try and keep it a bit more modern, a bit more contemporary. Um, I think Maxwell's had a, had a decent decent run of albums. To be to be fair, um, Gangstar didn't get named earlier on. I think they had um, Daily Operation, Hard to Earn, and fuck, was it Owners? Was that nah. a moment of truth? Moment of truth. Yeah. yeah. Gangstar, so that, Gangstar is on is on the uh, on their list. They're I covering see. that with uh, Dot Adams. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so um, no, no, there, there's so many. Um, but the ones that spring to mind, you know, Stevie Wonder and Bob Marley are my favourites, and Bob Marley's just got fucking loads. The order of the albums escaped me, but I think he had African Herbs Man Burning and fuck, it might have been Natty Dread. This is around the time they had the original Whalers. So that's my favourite Bob Marley era. So. I probably pick that as my top one for brevity. Solid I'll be all night, otherwise. <laughs> Solid, Cal. Any thoughts on that? You can you can keep your hip hop mate, or you can take it in another direction. Any other three uh, three album runs? What leaps out to me? Uh, Michael Jackson, Off the Wall for a Life. Oh fuck me! Yes. Do you know what, T? I actually thought you were holding me up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, like a boxer when a boxer's like smashing him around the ring and then lifts him up just what holds him up for a couple of rounds i genuinely yeah. thought that t was just holding me up like again i'll leave be that cow the fucking simpleton yeah. <laughs> i'll leave him some no, no, crumbs no, no. i'll leave him some that. crumbs at my table yeah, you can, yeah. yeah. Got, we, we've had a lovely roast dinner you can nobble on a fucking oxo cube you little can have that yeah. uh have fucking sorry um <laughs> personal personal favorite of mine um mayor hawthorne uh, he did a strange arrangement, and he did "How Do You Do," and then he topped it all off with "Where Does This Door Go?" Uh, "Where Does This Door Go?" was the best of the three. Just amazing, amazing album. Been to see him multiple times. Um, like such a great artist, one of my favorite artists. T did not introduce me to him at all. Um, he'd never heard of him. I'll take that. I'll piss on your flowers, you mug. Um, <laughs> um, and. <laughs> To say to save the the best till last, it has to be G Unit Radio number eight to number ten. Like just <laughs> nothing gets near G Unit Radio number eight to number ten. Just free. It's like free thrillers. Like Michael Jackson. Like thrillers. Like probably the perfect album. It's like free thrillers in a row. Amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty it's a pretty strong claim, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock that. It's a pretty you know if you're gonna put it out there, mate, you're gonna put it out there. It's fair enough. Um, I. Yeah, exactly. So you got to stick to it, mate. I would put out there um, D'Angelo's run. So I think Brown Sugar and Voodoo are two of like two of the best 
uh, neo soul albums ever and I actually think black messiah the third one which also won like a fuckload of grammys as well is, is also a really solid effort it's probably the weakest out of the three but when the other two are two fucking masterpieces is quite um it's quite hard to compare so I'd definitely say that definitely agree with the michael jackson stevie wonder shouts ridiculous and then just on a personal note um common resurrection one day it'll all make sense and like water for chocolate is a fucking great run um and even like people hate on it a little bit i know that some people love it but electric circus b and finding forever is also a solid run late run mm. yeah so i think like, i think he's actually i know i know i'm a massive common fanboy but i actually yeah. think his his back catalog is fucking solid man like he's done some great work worked with some great people um and that's a pretty pretty good one as well so all right well i think we've we've done this topic to death when uh create wait pick up on some of the others so de la soul gangster outcast struggle quest mob deep we'll, we'll we'll pick it up again and we'll see we'll see what we think about some of those efforts and we'll discuss those in a bit more detail we're gonna have a quick break um we've got some fucking great stuff on it so we've talked i think we've done like some fairly like highbrow deep hip-hop conversation we're gonna get like really into the weeds of some really hard topics including drake getting pissed on and uh, of course cut of course, Cardi B's massive nipples. Mate, have you ever been uh, have you ever been pissed on by a friend of a friend, Cal? No, I've never been pissed on by a friend of a friend. Um, someone threw up my coat at Palace Away. Oh fuck! In the hood. <laughs> 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 I was there when it happened. And this person, this person claims to never be sick. No, I've never been sick. Me, no, I get, I drink all the cans. I've never been sick. He was sick on my coat at Palace Away. Um, thankfully, I wasn't wearing the coat at the time. It was on a, on the back of a chair. Oh, okay, no, that's absolutely fine. And it wasn't that much. But someone has thrown up on my on my coat at Palace Away. But no one has. I've never been pissed on by a friend of a friend. No, that's not really happened. That to was me. a dirty early game, wasn't it? It was the Delhi Alley game with the amazing goal, Palace away. Sorry for all the Palace right. fans out there. All right. <laughs> yeah, all the non-football fans are like, I don't know what. What's a Delhi Alley? It's um, a Palace away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sounds sounds like a nice place to go. Uh, if you, if you like being sick on a coat. Um, the oh, reason yeah. I'm asking you that, mate, and and T will give us the full details of this, but I'm going to give you um, the highlights, which is that Drake, uh, as unfollowed Ti on Twitter, after. T.I. mentioned that Drake had been pissed on by one of his his mates. Now, I, I saw this go into our um, hip-hop forum uh, shared notes, and my immediate thought was, hasn't hip-hop changed? Because back in the day, if this sort of shit had gone on, it would have been beef central, violence, diss records, the works. Now it's like, oh, I'm going to unfollow you on Twitter, on social media. Uh, and I just think it's pathetic, mate, and I, I wanted to get your take on it, Cal. It is very high school, isn't it? For our American mm. listeners, it is very high school. Um, Nate Dog hit somebody with a golf club. That's that's the level of rapper I yes. feel I deserve. I feel I deserve that kind of rapper. So I want my favorite rapper to hit someone with a fucking a sports instrument. Yes. yes. I want Tupac fucked Biggie's wife, probably bareback, and probably gave her a child. <laughs> That's what I feel like I deserve. I don't feel like I deserve my favourite rapper to unfollow another rapper. I want him to chase him with something he's got from Sports Direct. And he hasn't bought it either. He stole it because he's a real yeah. fucking shit. But yeah, yeah. I, want him, yeah. 
I want them arrested for possession of a firearm on the way to like do, like shooting someone. I, I want I want that level of violence and danger um, mm. from my eyes. I don't want them to act like a thirteen year old schoolgirl and go, "Yeah, you're gonna piss on my friend." I'm gonna unfollow <laughs> you on Twitter. Like it's just gonna piss. <laughs> that being said, that being said, there's probably some more detail to the story, and we are not doing it justice. T. Tell us this highbrow uh, piece of literature, this art, this uh, this article that we found. Okay, so um, <laughs> tip confirmed that his homie once urinated and drank during a wild trip to LA. <laughs> so the lyric is in reference to Terence Beasley, who allegedly started urinating on himself during a screening of Takers in 2010, inadvertently getting some pee on Drake. Following the incident. The Toronto superstar was reportedly stormed out of the theatre. But Meek Mill let the original story out on the 2016 Drake diss track, Wanna Know. So, um, yeah, it's been out there for a while. But um, okay. unlike you, I'd rather rappers stay alive and not murder each other. So I'd rather <laughs> them unfollow him than um, that they'd die. <laughs> you know, even though I'm not a massive fan of either rapper. I just want someone to swing a golf club around a couple of times. I don't want anyone to die. Nobody wants that. <laughs> yeah, I want like I want dangled dangled over like a balcony levels, like sugar levels. I don't, I don't I don't want. I'm not advocating for murders. I just want the threat of violence. T. That's that's really what I'm about. Uh, is the is the threat of imminent death, not imminent death. I just uh, want to clear that up for the part. listeners. We, we 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 don't want we don't want death. No, we yeah, don't. we're not advocating. We're not advocating. Um, we want we're not advocating these drugs. We want we're rappers to feel like they, their level. Yeah, we want rappers yeah. to feel like they're gonna die, but not actually die. Yeah, just it's the fear and the danger that makes it exciting for all of us. Um, all right, let's let's move on. Uh, West Side Gun. It's another. Um, I feel like I, what what we need is we need one of those like boards where when you say certain words, you get certain sound effects. And I think we need one for any Griselda yes. content. Yes. We just need like a we just need a little sound effect. Westside Gun. Uh two things. First of all, Westside Gun retiring. Uh comments about he's gonna retire. And then also very recently, like yesterday, I think that there was some um a little bit of awkwardness about uh Eminem tweeting about Alchemist's new release and like giving him a bit of promotion, a bit of love. And then someone saying like, Where, "Where's the love for Westside Gun's latest release? Like, isn't he on your label? Like, what the fuck?" Uh, and Westside Gun giving it the old like eyes emoji as if to say like, "What the fuck's going on?" Interesting times, weird. And Eminem's like, do does this shit a lot. Like, he doesn't seem to support his artists for whatever reason. Slaughterhouse, we saw what happened the fallout with with that, and now it seems like this Griselda thing is is really weird. Um, T, let's start with you, mate. First of all, let's talk about this um, Eminem situation and like the lack of supporting for artists. One, does it matter? Because I feel like Griselda are the hottest uh, rappers in the world right now. So does it matter? And what does it mean? And do you give a shit? I think that Griselda are enough of a machine on their own. And someone pointed out that, um, that Eminem doesn't, pro- doesn't really promote stuff on his personal account anyway. It's a shady record situation, not, not, an, Eminem, not an Eminem thing. But... I feel West Side Gun has got so much power now that he just doesn't, doesn't really give a shit. He kind of laughed about it anyway. And he's talking about retiring at the end of this year. I'm not I'm not that bothered by that side of it all because I feel that Eminem's fan base is a little bit different to people who are into Griselda anyway. So yeah. I, don't think that, I don't think there's any harm. And it's all just promo for the album anyway. So 
Eminem not tweeting about it and West Side Gun talking about retiring. It's all just to help push the album, which actually is pretty decent. Yeah. What do, what do you think, Cal, about the, the, like, the retiring thing? Because it feels like a bit of a trend in hip-hop particularly. People talk about retiring. It's always like before their time and it always feels a little bit like it's an album promotion. But like, what do you think about the, the scenario, mate? I completely believe him. I completely believe that, he's gonna, that he is going to retire. He doesn't strike me as a guy that he loves rapping. He loves the craft. He loves crafting verses. He loves making seminal moments in hip-hop history. I don't feel like it matters to him. I feel like I feel, I've always kind of felt, and we've said this before on the podcast, that him, uh, particularly him, they want to get in and get out. They want to get in, what have a run, make the money while they're hot, and then get out. And he'll probably just do just eat ads and shit. You know, now he'll just do, he'll do other things, and he'll be, and he'll be massively successful at it. Uh, I don't feel like rap is what he wants to do. Conway will rap, and Benny will rap because that's what yeah. they do. But Westside Gun is very much not, you know, a, a businessman, entrepreneur first, not not yeah. a rapper. So I, I do absolutely believe him. And the thing about Eminem and not retweeting, I just want to make two points on that. Westside Gun say names. If you're going to clap at someone, fucking clap at them. Don't do eyes emoji and all that shit. We've just been talking about this. Like, say a name, have a proper dig, do it properly. And the other thing is, do they really want Eminem's vote of confidence? Do they really want yeah. a 50 year old, 50 year old white guy going, hey, fellow young people, buy this album? Yay. Like, fuck off. Like, I mean, to be fair, someone, that? someone added him though, isn't it? And he just responded. Yeah, yeah. But it's not say, like something he... proper. say something proper. That's, that's my only point. Yeah. Do a whole diss just, track. Just the, yeah, do a whole this this album, like, and then, and then release it through, release it through Shady, like, every time. <laughs> Makes total sense. Um, talking about while we're, on, <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> while we're on the subject, let's. Um, has anyone listened to the new Benny album with, mm-hmm. with uh, what's his name? Well, uh, what do you think? I quite enjoyed it first listen. I thought it was quite good, but like a lot of modern albums, I haven't gone back for another listen. I was like, yeah, it's all right, it's cool. Um, T, what do you think, mate? Did you did you give it a listen? I enjoyed the album. It's not as good as Plugs I Met, but yeah. still a very good album. It's talking about making a Plugs I Met part two in January, so looking forward to that. But no, I think it's a solid album. It's probably better than Conway's from A King to a God. That's probably how I feel right now. Maybe listening a few more times, I'll change my mind on that. But no, it's a solid album. He's got Big Sean on there, which shows he's not afraid to collaborate with artists who you make us a bit more commercial the last album had a uh, what Pusha T and Black Thought on there that people are a bit more underground so he shows that and he's even mentioned working with Drake as well and he knows where his bread is buttered but I enjoyed the album and speaking of new albums it came at the same time as Black Thought Streams of Thought mm-hmm. and I'd probably say Benny's album is better than the Black Thought album to mm-hmm. you know give it a kind of tear so to speak Fair Cal any thoughts on that mate? Very similar to you guys, really. Just that I did enjoy it. I like I like everything Benny does. I like everything that they all do, really. But yeah, it was good. I agree that uh, I liked Conway's more, but Conway did have a Lloyd Banks verse, so that was always going to put put him over the top, to be honest. Um, <laughs> um, but I did. I liked it. I think Benny makes the best projects out of all three of them. I think he's. You know, I think he's the plugs I make is probably the best project that any of them has put out. Yeah, I think he does. I think he does craft albums the best. Um, but Conway's probably your more natural bar for bar MC. But 
they're both great. But I yeah, I did really enjoy it. Uh, I did my Black Thoughts project as well. That was cool as well. But it was a little bit, it was a little bit kind of crooked eye-ish, kind of bar heavy, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Black Thought. It's it's weird now, like right? you get these like um, highs and lows with these people, where it's like they're sort of underrated for a bit, and then they get fucking massively overrated. Everyone's like, "Oh my god, are we seen this twenty-five minute freestyle?" Like, no, I've seen like twenty-five minutes of him rapping bars. That's not like, and I know we've had conversations about what's a freestyle and all that shit. So then all of a sudden, it's like that clip goes viral. Then everyone's like checking for black thought every fucking two minutes when they couldn't give a shit six months ago and now i feel like it's going the other way where people are like oh do you know what though like i want a bit more than just fucking like bars i want a bit more substance i want songs i want to hear like stories i don't just want clever wordplay and i feel like it's gone down it's gone a bit back the other way the pendulum swinging the other way a little bit with with black thought or people just a bit like ah this is why i was never a massive fan and why why he's never been well, he's never broken through into that. You know, talking about albums, like it's another one. Like obviously, the Roots, what they've like, what they have created is is again, they'll be legendary albums, and you could actually talk about their run as well. But yeah. in terms of solo projects, yeah, solo projects from him, like I don't think it's ever like kind of elevated it to the same level. So I don't know. I feel like it swings around about. So I was less excited about this project than the last one because I just feel like I'm on that downward pendulum swing with him. But um, yeah, who knows? Um, all right. Well, look, we're going to have a very quick break. Then we're going to talk about um, should rappers talk about politics? Because, uh, you know, we, we're obviously really, really highbrow. Um, you know, like the whole 50 and Ice Cube shit. We're going to talk about that. Uh, and then more importantly, Cardi B's tits. So that's, you know, obviously the important moments of the day. You know, going into a presidential election, we need to know about Cardi B's tits. So we will have a very quick break and then we'll come back and talk about that. Okay, so uh, I mentioned right at the start of the pod we're going to be talking about some kind of heavy subjects. Um, two heavyweights uh, in hip hop, and of course I'm talking about uh, Cardi B's breasts um, that were <laughs> that were um, strewn all over Instagram. I don't want to dwell on it too much because I don't want it to turn into like an objectification. More of a case of not so much about um, the pictures and like uh the the fallout from twitter but just generally like it's it's kind of mad to me that like how big a story that was bearing in mind it was essentially just her messing around and accidentally posts it um it's kind of i guess like a wider discussion on uh, the way that basically twitter reacts and like social media reacts to people just uh and their like bodies the one that did make me laugh the most though was uh the mike wazowski from monsters inc uh they'd like mocked up her breast to look like that was pretty was pretty yeah. funny uh, any 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 thoughts on that subject guys before we move on i admire the fact that she owned it you know she yeah. kind of um, had a laugh at herself so you know it's not worth beating herself up about it shit happens you know, and she just kind of moved on from it. I was, you know, she used to be a stripper, so you know she's not averse to <laughs> to to being naked in a way. But um, but no, it's just funny. People just you know made fun of it and they moved on. People have to go at her boobs. They look like you know pair of boobs. People said, oh, you know, her nipples are too big. I'm like, fuck me, man. You you're watching right. too much porn, mate. Watching far too much porn. It's like um. They're gonna have you're gonna have people looking like aliens in years to come. I mean, breasts come in all different shapes and sizes, and they all need love. It's true. It's true. Karen, any, any strong feelings on uh, nipple size? 
<laughs> not really, man. Like for the people, you know, for the people out there that are digging her out, it's like, you know, I would like to know who you're going home to. They're probably going home to Pornhub. So it's just whatever, man. I just, I just rated her for like, yeah. So what? If I can did that shit, so what? It's like she's a massive star. She can't lose right now. Everything she does turns into a win, one way or another. She turns, she just turns everything into a win. Fair play to her. She's smashing it right now. And um, yeah, and I even like when I know we're going to talk about politics and stuff. She gets political sometimes. And I like the way she talks about politics and stuff. I really like her. I think she's great. Not not so much as a rapper. I think she's kind of garbage as a rapper, to be honest. But <laughs> as a person, she's cool. Fair play. Yeah, to got got to agree with what you're both saying. Which is actually, I think the thing that's come out of this whole um, kind of subject is that the track she released with um, Meg is about kind of like female empowerment and like, why can't women talk about their sexuality and be honest with, with it? So it kind of ties into this idea of like, yes, I've got tits and this is what they look like. Like, why is this even a fucking story? Like, it's just a very weird concept that people are like, oh my God, like, I can see your tits. And it's like, yeah, okay, that's fine. Uh, they are my tits though. So it doesn't really matter, does it? I can't really change them or do anything about it. So who gives a fuck? Um, so I also thought it was really cool that she just like owned it and why shouldn't she? And like, that there's actually no, there's no issue with that. Like people se- own sexuality. My favorite thing about it was the initial fallout, which was having a go at her. And then the follow-up fallout was the best bit, which was basically other blokes and other women going, guys, have you actually never seen like a real pair of tits? <laughs> <laughs> There are plenty of women who have tits like this, and they're great. So can we stop? Uh, can we stop exposing your virginity? Uh, which I thought was really great, and it, it ended up like massively backfiring, and a load of like a load of young lads like trying to mock her, and everyone just yeah. piled in. Uh, so it's kind of amusing. Okay, so from one um, highbrow subject to another, let's go and talk about uh, let's talk about some politics. Now, I don't want to get into the specifics of. Uh, American politics or British politics or any politics. I want to talk about the idea of rappers using their platform outside of their music to talk about politics. So this comes in the wake of 50 Cent endorsing uh, Trump because he liked his tax plan uh, and Ice Cube just having a conversation with Trump about what he can offer the black community. So again, I don't want to talk about uh, necessarily the benefits and the details, but just more blunt, more broadly speaking, is hip-hop and politics a dangerous mix or are these important discussions that are happening? Um, T, let's start with you, mate, on this one. Um, what, what are your kind of um, like feelings about rappers getting involved in, in politics outside of their music, mate? I think it's a good thing because um, they've obviously got an audience, they've got a reach, and you know they can probably speak about politics in a way that maybe some of their followers, including me, won't fully understand. So... In a sense, it's good, but we live in very partisan times. Um, I'm sure people would have seen the film, the documentary on Netflix, The Social Dilemma. And it talks about how almost our opinions are kind of fed to us in algorithms. So you have your opinion, whether you hate or love a politician, and it's either one extreme or the other. So it looks to me that Ice Cube has had a conversation with Trump and... Trump's administration kind of jumped in it and really pushed that, you know, Ice Cube did this. And Ice Cube is someone who's always been anti-establishment and anti-Trump. And this makes me think, well, you know, what the fuck should we cancel Ice Cube? And it's like, well, if you think about, if you think about objectively, he's got to kind of hear people out. And we've, we've got a right to do that as fans. 
as to 50 Cent, it's actually since climbed down. Um, I think, what's the girl's name? Chelsea Handler. I had a word of him, and she's kind of said, hey, you know what, fuck Trump. I'm not going to bother anymore. But <laughs> I think I think people, I think rappers, if they want to use their platform for that, they should. I don't think they should be forced to, because... You know, maybe these rappers will be doing a press junket or whatever, and they'll probably be asked who were they voting for. And I'm sure most rappers will be like, fuck, you know, they're both rubbish, and I don't want to vote for either of them. But they can't really say that, can they? They've got to kind of say one way or the other. So there we are. Yeah, for, enough, for a split second there, too, I thought we were going to get another uh, 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 uh episode. <laughs> it, was, it was close. It was on the border. I could see it in Cal's eyes. Oh, yeah. my God. Oh, my God, the sequel. I'm right near the, the root of as well. The remix. Fucking, I'll be like Puff Daddy on the remix, like doing nothing but just taking credit. Um, mate, really, really good points too. I, I totally agree with what you're saying there in terms of like, um, they don't necessarily have to give an opinion, but I think if they do have an audience and they're, they are politically engaged, like why, you know, why wouldn't they want to have a conversation? And ultimately, you're right, we live in times where it's like, if you do anything, even just talk to the other side, it's seen as like a betrayal. And in fact, it's like, that's exactly what we should all be doing. We should all be talking and engaging with people we disagree with and seeing how we can how we can push it forward. But Cal, what do you think, mate? Where do you sit with the whole kind of like hip-hop artists and rappers talking about politics outside of their music, mate? Um, hip-hop and hip-hop rappers in particular has always been about rappers talking about their lived experience and uh, what they've grown, what they've gone through. You know, I've learned the terms Reaganomics. I've learned about the crack era. I've, you know, learned about all these the civil rights movement, all this stuff I've learned because of hip hop and through the music and then by extension outside of that as well. So they talk about it because politics, whether we like it or not, it shapes it shapes how we live and how how a country how a country is run. And for for hip rappers, um, they usually come from kind of the the poorest places and so it affects them the most and affects them in the worst ways. So it's actually if they don't want to that's absolutely fine but i think it's really important that they do they do talk about it and like you said john do we actually have conversations it's such a thing you know i I, i'm i've been getting some social media fatigue lately it's just it's just people just each other all the time and it's just you know have conversations talk about it but it's just it's just a cesspit out there now really but you know to, to go back to the topic um ice cube's always been politically engaged um he's he's one of those guys that's not afraid to go a slightly different way um a lot of people in america and african-americans in particular believe you don't have to vote democrat if you don't want to um because you know bill bill clinton did a lot of good stuff for the african-american community but he also did a lot of bad shit as well and so there's nothing wrong with them being having a free will and voting for whoever they want to vote for and I remember Denzel Washington being asked in an interview about who he voted for, and he said, none of your business. Um, and I kind of rate that. And, I, and it's kind of the last thing that's private, really, like who you vote for. And it, it used to be anyway, like it used to be like who you voted for was private and how much money you make was private. And it's kind of nothing's really private anymore. Yeah, mate, I totally agree with that. It's weird, isn't it? Like uh, from a kind of social perspective. Social media has become the era of like just show your entire life to as many people as possible, and all the 
like intricacies and like personal things about yourself just get projected in a way that you'd never do in like real life. Like if you met a group of people, let's say at football and you got to know them, you might let, like you might know those people for 10 years and never know which way they voted or what, even what they do for a job. Now I, I can find like pretty much anyone online and probably work out what they do for a job, roughly what they earn, like all of their political persuasions, like everything is just out there now. So I guess in a way it's like, especially if you're uh, a rapper that's got some political elements to your music, you're kind of being pressured by like society anyway to kind of like mail um, mail your colours to the mast a little bit because it's just out there now for everyone to see. So, yeah, I think there's definitely space for it. Like hip-hop is a culturally, politically aware music. It's it's always been about, um, the, you know, the communities in which these rappers have grown up in and, and the effects of politics on those communities is obviously going to come out through their music. And if it's in your music, like it's in your bones, in your soul, like how can you not have an opinion on it so yeah i think it's, it's one of those things i think it's important and the same note it's like and i think this is true of all society we shouldn't hold our moral code up by what a rapper thinks or what a footballer thinks or um you know the, these so-called like role models i think is kind of a dangerous slippery slope if you <laughs> kind of promote your kids to listen to like what a rapper thinks on a certain subject like you should they should have their own mind and, and look into all that stuff anyway very heavy topic but i thought it was really interesting so um good stuff boys really appreciate that let's talk about something very different there was an uh an article in double xl magazine about what is the perfect amount of tracks for a rap album and so we, we included this in the running order because I thought it was kind of a cool subject. And I think we put it in our hip hop forum and notes as something that we'd like to discuss. Now, obviously, we've spoken about some great three album runs. We've spoken about some classic albums over the episodes that we've done. And I wondered if there was like a common theme. Now, I haven't done an Excel spreadsheet because I'm not that sad, but I guess you probably could if you took all the greatest hip hop albums and then worked out a number of tracks. But have you got a gut feel, T, in your mind as to like what is the magic number? for a, a hip-hop album and why? I think 12 is a nice number, but the amount of interludes have kind of fucked it a bit, you know? Um, mm. A lot of, and there's a lot of albums of like 19, 20 tracks in them, and I just think, oh, just fuck that off, mate. Just, just, just whittle it down. <laughs> I think um, there's so much like fat around all these albums. I mean, even I mentioned the two-pack double album earlier on, that could have been a single album and been a classic. I just think, um, as consumers, I don't think we need, I don't think we need any more than, any more than 15 tracks in an album. Funnily enough, one of my favourite albums of this year is an hour and a half long. I've listened to it in its entirety once, um, Blue and Exile, Miles. But mm. if I'm going to pick a number, probably be about, I think 14 is a limit for me. Any more than that, I mean, I'll, I'll still enjoy it, but I just think, I know there's going to be a lot of shitty, superfluous interludes I could do without. Yeah, fair enough. Cal, any, any thoughts on that, mate? Yeah, I, my when I saw the question on the running order earlier on, in my head I was like, mm, between 10 and 14. Um, because it just makes me think of previous classic albums. What was Illmatic? Was that 10? 10. 10 of yeah, an interlude. Yeah. interlude. Um reasonable doubt was 13 was it uh something like that um i think no way out by puff daddy was like 17 so he went <laughs> <a little bit. laughs> fucking nonce <laughs> he, went, he went a little bit the wrong way but 
Drake 2001 was 22. And like T said, loads of stupid, stupid skits in there as well. What seems to be the kind of the wave these days and uh, is that there'll be albums of, uh, you know, a, a normal number of tracks, but the length of the tracks will be really short. And yeah. one that comes up the top of my head is the Flea Lord and Pete Rock album, which was like 12, 13 tracks or something. But as a time altogether, it was like 27 minutes. Yeah, yeah, That's I remember crazy. that, yeah. And that seems to be the wave lately, uh, is you'll look, you know, you'll add it to your Apple Music or whatever, and it will tell you the length of time of the entire project, and it will be less than an hour, like comfortably less than an hour. That seems to be the wave these days is is a lot uh just looking at benny the butcher 39 minutes like that's really short that feels really short to me an album is not in our day back in my day it was like an hour i kind of feel like it was anyway but yeah you know they're really down to um do you think that's down to like attention span again carol yeah man yeah music do you think that's what it is yeah, I think it is, man. I think it's. I think it is. I think we just. I think smartphones have made our attention span just terrible now. I think we all have really, really bad attention spans now, and I think that's part of the reason we don't. That and the volume of music that comes out, but that's probably why we don't consume albums the way we used to consume them as well. We just don't have the attention for it. It's like, yeah, we'll listen to it once. All right, I've done that now. On to the next one, kind of thing. It's just the way the way kind of the world is now. But between ten and fourteen, that's that's my official answer. Yeah, so I'm having a look. Uh, just like literally the first three albums that pops into my head as like perfect albums, good examples. It's Illmatic, Reasonable Doubt, and The Infamous, right? They're pretty much my three favorite hip hop albums. Illmatic, as discussed, is 10 tracks. Right. Uh, obviously, The Genesis, which is not really a song. So you, right. can, you can get rid of that scrap. straight away. Right. You can scrap that. Right. So then that leaves you really with nine songs, basically. Mm-hmm. so you, you've got that right so that's nine songs then reasonable doubt you've got uh politics uh sorry uh where is it you've basically got 14 tracks there is there is no there's no skits as such obviously they're intros so like kind of like the hustle you've got um what's his name pain in the ass at the beginning of it and stuff like that and uh, bring it on there's like the interlude in the beginning but there's no actual skits on the album that's 14 right. and then the infamous has got uh infamous prelude and just step prelude on there and again the rest of that and then there's the grave prelude so if you take those three off you're down to 13 tracks so i think i think yeah somewhere between 10 and 14 i think is the magic number and i think like running time of an hour like roughly an hour is about is about right for me because I think that there's like there is a limit where if you good albums for me are kind of they're a complete piece of work. So you're either telling a story about your life, or you're telling a story about a period of your life, or your community, or whatever it might be. So it's got to be coherent. If it's too many songs, it should, it's either going to be like lots of the same stuff, and you kind of get to a point where it's a bit fucking monotonous and boring, or it's just going to sprawl a little bit. Which is why two like two side albums never never worked that well for me because it's just too it's just too much of a different thing and so i feel like 10 between 10 and 14 tracks you, you've got enough to cover what you want to talk about but not too much that it becomes filler if that makes sense i, I um, think the other thing is yeah. that in this day and age i listen to music and i'm doing something else mm-hmm. and growing up that never used to really be the case so i listen to an album while i'm working listen to an album while i'm you know going for a walk or 
music on in the background while I'm cooking or, or whatever. And years gone by, I'd sit in my room and study songs, you know, hear like different instrumentation and all that shit. And these days, I just don't really have the time to sit and listen to an album. And you know, the album I mentioned earlier on was 95 minutes long. And I've got time to listen to all of that in one go. It's just it's fucking mental. And yeah. you know, is that is is that a me problem? Was that a they problem? I mean, they you know, these musicians, these rappers, they're artists. It's their art, and they put out their art as they want to do so. And takes us back to Westside Gun to a degree as well, in that he puts out all the music as he wants to. It's art. Consume it how you wish. You know, um, we haven't got to be restrained by I don't know fourteen track, one hour long albums. We want to tell our story. If I tell the album, if I tell the story in ninety minutes. Or in 20 minutes, it's still my story. But as a consumer, any longer than an hour, I do I do lose interest. Yeah, it's fair enough. I think I think it's a, it's a it's a really interesting subject in terms of like how the music industry is today, and and actually not just the music industry. You're right. It's, it's actually about life because I know Cal still listens to his um, iPod uh, Nano and like all his his iPod Shuffle, and he loves it. And I was also a big fan of the iPods back in the day because that was it was either that or a fucking CD Walkman and, and um, mini disc player and all that shit, right? But that was always because phones couldn't keep phones were shit basically. They were like you could send texts and play Snake, and that was about it. So you'd have to have both with you, and you you there's no there's nothing to look at on your phone, so you would listen to music. And if you're going on the train to work or to school or whatever it would be you are just listening to music that that is the form of entertainment now you're right to like as soon as i start listening to a podcast if i'm going to work and i'm not concentrating i'm like reading twitter and i'm like i haven't listened to the last five minutes of what's been said in the pod or i'm listening to an album and i'm like i don't know what i don't know any of these songs because i've been reading something on on twitter so i definitely think there's um there's been an effect on music especially hip-hop where i feel like you need to listen like is about the stories, about the words. If you're not really taking it in, it's just washing over you. You're missing a whole load of stuff. Um, talking about washing over you, um, I want to talk about rappers that you just never got into, that you just that just washed over you and that you missed in your life. Now, weirdly, this is going to be very controversial because we've spoken about this guy twice on this pod today. Ice Cube never got into him. Never really listen to him today is a good day is a fucking banger it's a classic great respect him it's not like i'm saying he's shit oh don't like him rubbish i i sort of like objectively know he's excellent but i just have never listened to it just never sat down and got into him the other one which i know t um boils your blood is red man never just never got into him um i'll i will with both of these artists like i have to re like i'll have to re go back and just like do the do over um but i'm interested to hear from from you boys cal talk to me mate what uh, which rappers or artists have just passed you by um i've i know i've said this one on the podcast before tribe called quest uh fucking wanker (laughs) (laughs) that's what i wanted that the people at home could see me. I've got a diamond cutter in my pants right now. <laughs> that was all I wanted was tea to just do that. Public Enemy as well. Basically, all these old school people, basically. Uh, yeah, Public Enemy, Tribe Called Quest, T.I. Like, and I'm not saying that because he's a dickhead, just because he is a dickhead, but just because he, is, he does nothing for me as a rapper. Like, And people really like him. And 
again, I feel like I've said this before, we have a reputation for dissing Southern rap, and we will continue to do so because all yeah. of it is trash. Like every single <laughs> a whole lot. I'll pluck Scarface out. The rest of them can get in a fucking bin. Yeah. Fuck them. Scar- Ti yeah. especially. Yeah. Shit. Scarface, Scarface we'll have him. We'll yeah. keep him. Yeah. He's like the he's like the diamond in the dog turd. Like he just finds Yeah, it's like it's like when you've got like uh like in laws come around for yours for Christmas and there's like most of them are wrong ones, but there's the one who's pretty sound. You're like, oh you can stay, like the rest of them can fuck off. It's like that. T I hate him. Not a fan. Oh, I've got one more and this one's gonna proper upset T. Proper oh, here we go. Like, but I'm not doing it to upset you, this is actually true. Outcast. Nothing. Did nothing for. I actually, I think I might have listened to one of their albums once. So I remember quite liking it, but I'd smoked, I'd smoked some weed, and so it, I never it seemed. It to be fair, to be fair, up until probably like five years ago, I wasn't like I didn't. Again, I didn't dislike him. I just hadn't really explored the back catalogue. But now, now I'm like that is that is quite mad. But then I've just said Ice Cube, so I can't, I can't, uh, I can't really say anything. So I'll just <laughs> shut my cake off. He's fucking deceiving. <laughs> it's like we've it's like we've gone on to Spotify and he's got a playlist called Greatest Acts of All Time that I love the most and if anyone doesn't like them they're gonna die. And we've just written we've gone on there and gone, right, let's just fucking list them all one right, by one. Red, I can't yeah. even speak. Got he tell us. Come on, mate. Talk to us. Okay, You've got right. the thing is with T is T, T's listened to every artist that's ever produced an album, yeah. even like some little mug who went to like I don't know Barnfield College in Luton who released an EP back in two thousand and three. Um, he uploaded it to Morpheus back in the day, and T's got that <laughs> album. So you know he will know every album. So I can't I'm, imagine that there's going to be someone big that he doesn't know. Come I'm going to I'm going to surprise you here. Oh my god! Here we go. It's a huge. Um, not because I don't like Scarface. I've only listened to Diary extensively. The rest I haven't. E40, not listened to a single bar. Um, J. Cole, don't get it. Find them boring. Um, I had a bunch of other names on the tip of my tongue. KRS1, I've only listened to uh, Criminal Minded more than once. Um, I listened to the album after that. I think it's by any means necessary. But yeah, KRS One is another one. Um, De La Soul, not listening to them a lot. To be fair, Fifty Cent. I've never listened to a Fifty Cent album. True story. Um, there's Eminem. Not listened to an Eminem album maybe once. Um, those are the ones that stand. There's, there's loads more, but um, but yeah, I think with um, Outcast <laughs> to state my case. I got there at ground level because um, when Notorious P.O.D. was an album pod, I was going to do a Quemini with a pal of mine and John, but COVID and other shit, that didn't happen. But Southern Playlistic, how I got into the album was back in the day, this show called America's Top Ten used to come on at three in the morning and I'd set the tape to record it and I wanted to see what these albums were in the top ten. One of them was um, this R&B group called DRS got a song called Gangster Lean. I don't think either, either of you would have heard of them. But Outcast kept making this fucking list. I thought, who are these cunts? So I go down to our price 
and I buy the cassette for £9.49. Not hearing a single <laughs> song. Not hearing a single song. And um, I fucking loved it. Absolutely loved it. And I worshipped them ever since. Um, did not enjoy Stanconia. I was 20 years old, apparently. But, um, but yeah, I mean, as for, as for Redman, I don't know if I'm even defending this man. You're a cunt, Callum. Fuck you. <laughs> I didn't even say anything about Redman. I didn't even do anything. <laughs> I You're getting shots anyway. Said red I just said that all Southern rap is shit. That's what I said. <laughs> the best thing about it was is, is is that there was a full stop there. It's like I'm gonna defend Red Man. Full stop. You're a cunt, Callum. You're Those a cunt, two Callum. Things weren't <laughs> he was so mad. He just couldn't keep. He just couldn't keep it all together. Oh man. Rage, rage, rage overtook me there. <laughs> oh man, that is too good. Do you know what though, mate? That's such a good story about Outcast because. Like that, those days when you'd like see, I don't know, like a poster and you go, oh, I think I don't know why, but I'm just going to buy that album on com- like complete faith in like our price or HMV. I see yeah. that. Old, so I bought D'Angelo's Brown Sugar just because I like the cover and I was like, that looks like the sort of music I like. I'm just going to buy it and see what happens. And I remember hearing the name D'Angelo and people were like, oh, raving about it. I was like, oh, this will probably be good. Like, I'll just buy it. And then just being obsessed with it for like weeks. And like the same with like loads of other hip hop albums, just buying them because I liked the cover or because I'd seen artwork or heard the name and like just discovering it and just hearing stuff for the first time was just fucking amazing. And like now, like the industry is so oversaturated. It's just, it's just crazy. Question. What's the most money you paid for the worst album? Oh, fuck. That's a great shout. I've got one. Go on. <laughs> Go on, I Just the Master to P. clarify. Yes, it was. Master P. It cost me fifteen ninety five. From what was that? What was that shop? It was in Harrow, and there was one in Uxbridge, and it was the one where you'd they'd knock a pound off if you had a membership. It's like CD exchange or something. Yeah. Like that, isn't it? yeah, you got it all new, but it was like if you had a membership, it was like a pound less. And I bought it from that shop, fifteen nineteen. Let me just find it. See what I can find. I'm just looking at the discography now. Uh, I think it was ghetto postage. Yeah, ghetto postage because I quite like the cover. Fifteen ninety nine. I paid for it. It was fucking terrible. <laughs> I've got. There's about three albums that I bought that I actually sent back and got a refund for oh, or gosh. sold, and I've got probably about a thousand CDs and about a few hundred records in my possession that I own. And I bought some shit. I've never sent them back. I sent back. This isn't even hip hop, but fuck it. Um, 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 so. Tony, Tony, Tony. There was Rafael Sadiq and Dwayne, Dwayne Riggins and another guy. But Dwayne Riggins made a solo album and I sent that shit the fuck back. It enraged me. It was so rubbish. Oh, probably about 11 and And um, Candy from Escape, who's now Real, Real Houses of Atlanta. She had um, Don't oh, Think yeah. I'm Not was a song on the album. Bought the album, garbage. Sent that back. <laughs> Um, oh, I bought I bought Dust FX's second album on vinyl. It's probably the second record I ever bought. Didn't enjoy it much. I bet that was expensive too. That was a Christmas present. Probably cost them a fair bit. Yeah, on vinyl. Um, mine mine is nowhere near as um, as interesting as that. I was in New York on holiday, and uh, outside a the shop, there was a like group of lads like selling CDs. So I was like, "Fuck it, I'm just going to talk to them." I'm in New York. I'm going to talk to these guys about hip hop. So we started talking about hip hop and stuff. And actually, like, it was pretty good a conversation. They were like, oh, do you, do you want to buy my CD? It's like it's $10. I 
So I only had a 20 and I was like, uh, yeah, all right, mate. I was like, sorry, I've only got a 20. And he was like, that's cool. It's got, I've got change. And I thought to myself, do you know what? Like, they're not going to sell many of these CDs. I'm only in New York once. I don't care. Like, I can't be bothered. It's a nice thing. He was a nice guy. So like, gave him the 20 and like, I was like, don't worry about the change. He's like, no, 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 seriously, I'll give me a chance. Like, no, seriously, it's cool. Like, keep it. I'm, like, I'm looking forward to this to the album. On holiday, obviously, for like a whole week. I get back, like, I've, let, I've just fucking got home, dumped my case off, like, completely forgotten about it. And then when I was, like, going through my washing, I was like, oh, fuck, I've got this guy's CD. I was like, right, got a really long journey into, into work today. I'm going to, like, put it in the car and cruise all the way there. It was the biggest load of shit I <laughs> ever heard. It was so bad. You know when you think, they're rappers from New York that are selling CDs in the street. They're going to be half decent. Like, they're going to be all right. Even if, like, they never make it, they're going to be decent. They were shit. And I was like, oh, it's $20. $20. I got hustled, mate. Proper. Like, Those guys New York, man. Those New York guys are different. They can spot. They can spot you a mile off. They spot an Englishman a mile off. I remember when the guy sold me a CD and he was like, yeah, that's me. And it was like him with like Joel Santana. And it was a Dipset CD, basically. He goes, yeah, that's me. It's the grainiest piece of shit ever. It could have been absolutely fucking anybody. <laughs> oh, man. Classic. Amazing. Right. Let's um before we before we leave uh leave you today, let's talk about some of the questions we had from our listeners to wrap it up. We had a question from Jazza uh at B Boy Edgy on Twitter. I think that's what it is, B Boy Edgy. We'll go for that. Uh he's basically said, I've been listening to uh Be Real and Burner album and wondered what your guys' thoughts were on Latin hip hop and if you've listened to any. Cheers, lads. Can't wait to listen to this wearing my beasties shirt in front of my run dmc poster now the reason that this uh tweet came in from jazza was that we had previously referred to um these guys uh cypress hill as etnies <laughs> entry level etnies <laughs> <laughs> and he found on pers- the wallet <laughs> yeah exactly uh, a chain on the velcro wallet and they felt personally attacked by us um <laughs> And because we didn't really answer the question last time, we just mugged it off. He's asked it again. So I thought we should we should definitely um, ask it. Um, I don't mind kicking this off because I was thinking about this and thinking, actually, we, we've sort of, when we spoke about this last time, I was also thinking about Cypress Hill. That was what was in my head because that's kind of when I think about Latin rappers. But then it's kind of mental that we forgot about like Big Pun and like Fat Joe and people like that that are like well up there in like, not just my personal list, but like, Big pun particularly would be in a lot of people's like top fives as like greatest ever's. Um, so for me, it's like it's the same sort of thing, which is that I have still have a New York bias to Latin rappers. If they're from New York, they get a pass. Uh, it's not so much etnies; it's, it's it's a different type of swag for sort of Puerto Ricans, um, Mexican guys in New York, as opposed to the West Coast flavor and that that kind of side of things from from other Latino rappers that are out that way. And then like C- Cypress Hill for me has always been. Like one of those acts that are like I know they're hip hop, but they kind of feel like they they're in this other space because they're very like live instrumentation and like they're all, they're almost like a band, especially towards like the middle to end of their career. They're in that same like they wouldn't be out of place on stage with Rage Against the Machine. So and they were like they were also supporting Fifty Cent. So they do occupy this weird space. Cal, what, what's your um, what's your thoughts on Latin rappers generally, mate? Any views? Um. <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to say I'm a massive fan of it. I'm not going (laughs) to, not going to coat them all off either. I'm just actually looking through a a list of um, kind of Latin rappers 
Um, like you said, there's Fat Joe, Cuban Link, Be Real, Immortal Technique. Um, yeah. Like, but none, none. I'm not going to pretend that any of these guys are my favourite. Um, Lloyd Banks is half Puerto Rican, so that that counts. Yeah, right. Nor, Nor, um, Noriega, right? He's he's Puerto Rican as well, right? Noriega. Yeah, yeah, he's half Spanish. Uh, well, to quote him, I'm half Spanish. Um, Lloyd yeah. Banks is half half Puerto Rican as well. Um, Oh, this guy's my favourite. I don't know who he is. His name's Juan Gotti. <laughs> He's my favourite. Juan Gotti. <laughs> He's the guy I'm going to get all of his albums. Uh, I'll play for Birmingham. <laughs> Juan Gotti. That is amazing. Bruno oh. Juan Gotti. <laughs> that is the guy. Albums. No set tripping. I'm getting it. Um, but <laughs> don't know a lot about it, but absolutely have a place. It's great to have... You know, hip hop's this thing where it has all these different, you know, especially in America, there's all the different regional sounds. You've got the, you know, the southern sound, west coast sound, east coast, and you know, the Latin guys have got their sound as well. And there's absolutely a place for it. And there's loads of good Latin rappers out there. So that's See any fe- any fe- any feelings on that, mate? I've not listened to Latin hip hop. I presume it means um, Latin hip hop in terms of um, rapped in Spanish and not rappers who are of Latin heritage. Um, the only, I mean, we talked about Immortal Technique earlier on, and you know, he gets a lot of stick, but I fucking love him. <laughs> but the first two albums, the first the Revolutionary Volume One and Two, and I absolutely love those albums. And there's a track in there where he raps it entirely in Spanish, Amino Importa, and mm. you know, the track's actually really good. Uh, but in terms of Latino rappers, I mean, at the birth of hip hop, the, you know, it was um, the Puerto Rican and African American community in New York who helped build hip hop. So they're a massive part of it, um, you know. And Fat Joe, you know, I guess he's probably more known now for what he done with Terror Squad and outside of hip hop than his actual own rap career. And um, I liked his first album. I represent probably the album of his I listened to the most. Um, obviously, a Mortal Technique as well. But it's interesting that um, with American culture, whether it be you know African American or Puerto Rican culture, that we all kind of feel we've got a bit of a stake in it by listening to to the music, so to speak. And um, it is a bit interesting. I don't know loads about how they you know, how they kind of um, interact with other communities because obviously you've got you know um, lost my train of thought. My screen isn't frozen. I just kind of lost my trail of thought. <laughs> but it's like. Um, because, like, for example, in the Latin community, you got black people from Latin countries, and you got so, for example, J Lo said that she considers herself black, right. and in the jar in the song of Jar Rule, she used the N word, and there's a lot yeah. of beef over that. And being in the UK, I've got no idea how these things kind of kind of run. Because yeah. in the UK, for example, if an Asian or someone from the south of Asia south of Asia says the N word over here, they probably get a shooing. So it's interesting to see how. The communities kind of interact over there because you've got like Noriega, I suppose, who is clearly black, and you've got J Lo, who is kind of in and in between her, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, like Fat, Fat Joe is as white as me and Cal. He's oh, god, yeah, it's another one, and he is dropping, he is dropping n bombs every other word, like, like, like no danger. But I think, like, from, from his perspective, he's like, that is how I grew up, and anyone who knows me in the same communities. They don't bat an eyelid because why would they? Like it's just that's it. Like that's how he sees himself. That's how people see him. So yeah, you're right. Like I, don't, I think it's difficult for us to understand if we haven't grown up in that community to actually understand how that translates. Like we 
I think in the UK particularly, we we see it very much in like a binary way. Like it's it's done on appearance, not necessarily done on like heritage so much. Um, whereas there, I think it's a little bit more like complicated by like ethnicity as, as as well as race. It's it's a whole it's a whole complicated thing that we shall not go into right now for obvious reasons. Sorry, lad. Um, so all right, mate. I we, I mean, look, we've we've been we've been to um, partisan politics and Cardi B's tits and back. So why the fuck not? Um, let's take one more question. It's from Too Complex Official uh, on Twitter. Uh, but I'd be pretty interested to know people's views on age and hip hop. How old is too old to try and make a mark on the scene? And we have established artists in their 50s and 60s, and I frequently see that age group at gigs along with the younger generation. Discuss. Um, Cal, talk to me, mate. What do you what do you think about first of all, like I guess the age thing in, in hip hop? I think it used to be one of those where it was a young men's game. Then it was like the average age of rappers making it was like late 30s. Uh, it feels like it switched back a little bit to like a younger a younger scene. Um, but, but yeah, I think the, the question is about like when you go to gigs, you still see the older generation, especially like at traditional hip hop stuff. Um, you know, you, you'll see the likes of me and you, they're obviously the younger generation. And then, you know, T will be there. T will hobble in. T will hobble in. He's picked up his pension, come see some some rap and uh, yeah. see what's popping <laughs> up. Um, no, but seriously, how do you uh, how do you feel about like the age thing in hip hop? I feel like it's going younger. Like in, in certainly in like the mainstream yeah. popular stuff. I feel like there's like rappers now they're like, oh they've got three albums out there, 17. You're like, fucking hell, like it's gone yeah. really young again. What do you think? I think that's totally normal. Where young people decide what's cool and what's not. We do not decide what is cool. They do. And that's the way it's always been. That's the way it always will be. Young people decide what is cool. Um, do do I mind if older people want to rap and want to try and make a career crack on you know absolutely crack on i do i i struggle to think of a of a rapper that's that i enjoy listening to that's that's older now um black four i imagine is you know i quite enjoyed black four i know we was kind of cussing him earlier but you know i i think he's pretty good jay-z's 50 you know his last album was decent and if he did another album i would probably listen to it and nas has just obviously just done an album as well i don't know how nas is got to be late in his late 40s as yeah well. late 40s buster yeah. buster's new albums out soon I yeah, he's 47 nas nas is 47 so I'm, yeah i'm happy to listen to the older rappers because they came up when i was coming up they're older than me those guys but you know i'm happy to listen to them if an older guy tried to start now i think it's possible depends on the sound i think you, you know he or she would have to you know stick to a to a sound but you never know yeah crack on man like if you if you want to do it do it um I think it'd be hard because, like I said, I think younger people dictate where the scenes go in, where music goes, where fashion goes. They dictate it. We don't. And um, it always has. Yeah, always will be that way. Yeah, for sure. T, any, any thoughts on that, mate? I was going to say almost the opposite. I thought that now there's more of a niche for older rappers or rappers approaching middle age. You talked about Benny the Butcher and Conway who are in their late 30s. Freddie Gibbs is 40. Um, Sky Zoo is on a recent really good run of albums. He's in his 40s now. Yep, yes. Um, Look it up. (laughs) Um, You know, you've got Jay-Z who talked about Royce the 5'9". There's an article, I think Dart Adams might have had a part in writing it about rappers, you know, know, lifestyle at 40. Fonte, 
he's 42, I believe. Um, and it's almost like a niche. It's almost called like grown rap. Skazu did an album recently about being a father and parents. And I think that hip hop is so vast. It's not a monolith. It's not like it's all going to be people like, I don't know, Blueface or whoever the latest rapper is. He's got he's got his own niche, as has people like Skazu and Freddie Gibbs. And is it too late to start? I don't know. I think the barriers to entry in music now are non-existent, really. It's not like back in the day we had to kind of go to A&R's, give you a tape in, you know, perform for you know a bunch of suits. Now, you know, if you've got a SoundCloud account or you've got access to Spotify, you can just put your music on there and put your music out there. But, yeah, I think there's enough room. You know, what's also good is that there's more there's more female rappers coming up as well. You know, not just the age, but you've got you got people like uh, Shane Noir and the lady released an album this week called Lyric Jones. So, as I said, there's this, there's room for everybody of all ages and even any sexuality as well. There's, um, you know, there's a bunch of gay rappers on the underground as well. So, yeah, I don't think there's any barriers to entry in terms of age at all. Yeah, so, so like, I think both, both comments are kind of uh, are valid in the sense of, like, I think what, what becomes popular in the mainstream is very much the young man's game. But I think you're right to think like the barrier for entry and the, the opportunities for older rappers is definitely there. I think the one thing that's like the, the nuance there is what's I think what is really hard is to start now at 40. Like, yes, it's possible. But I actually think like the rappers you named, they, they've kind of like gone through their like 20s and they probably learnt their craft and learnt their skill and then become. So I think it, it is probably more difficult now to like launch a career but again like maybe that's the thing right 50 50s thing was i got shot nine times maybe some like eight year old i mean we've seen actually we have seen it that um the uk those two guys pete and baz oh yeah they're like they're <laughs> old boys right and they have called the the <laughs> mate absolute bangers on road them two and they they, they would do it like before covid they were doing like live shows and like fucking smashing it and like yeah, there's a novelty aspect of it, right? It's, of course, it's like pretty funny to our boys, like East End geezers, like dropping like bars over drill. But they were good. Like it was good, whether it was like ghost written, which it probably was. Who cares? Like they created a little niche and it worked pretty nicely. So I think it was pretty, pretty cool. So you never know. Uh, it's not too late for us boys if this podcast and shit don't work out. <laughs> oh boy. Um, all right, it was the perfect place to end it, lads. Um, thanks very much. Really enjoyed it. If people want to follow you, Cal, where can they find you, mate? Uh, at BC the Grand Slam everywhere always never changes see where can people find you mate if they want to follow you Polonius Filth on Twitter and Instagram beautiful all right people well thanks for sticking with us um if you enjoyed the episode fucking rate and review it mate yeah we're not doing a shit for uh, for nothing like just give us give, give us a little rate and review and also we're after you five for fives I still want we haven't had enough we haven't had any for ages all you got to do is leave your five um, favourite MCs of all time and leave us a nice little five-star review. And we'll discuss it. We'll discuss your selections and tell you why they're shit. Um, so make sure you do that so we can mock you uh, publicly in front of the listeners. Um, so for now, thanks very much for joining us. Peace and get ready for the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Notorious P.O.D., a hip-hop podcast. This was a hip-hop forum episode, so a special thank you to Cal and team for their insight as always. Big up to man like Grindhouse, who's made all the theme music for the show. So please follow him on Twitter and show him some love, at Music Grindhouse, and on Spotify by searching for Grindhouse. That's G-R-I-N-D, house. 
Please remember to leave us a review, or as we call it, your five for five. So give us a five-star review, and in return, you can leave us your top five favourite MCs of all time. Remember, we'll be adding all the songs mentioned and featured in our episodes on a Spotify playlist, so if you search for the Notorious Podcast Joints, you will find it. If you don't already, please follow us on Twitter at NotoriousP underscore O underscore D. On Instagram, we're at the Notorious POD. And follow me on Insta and Twitter at The Real John Bass. That's J O N B A S S. See you next time. Peace. Peace.